Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. More listener favorites from the past year are on the program today. Thank you for all your prayers and financial support this year. All of us here at Watchmen on the Wall wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and a blessed First Advent. Lord willing, and with your help, 2022 will feature many new resources, the launch of our online streaming service, FaithNet TV, and conferences all over the country. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, our next in-person conference, will take place Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Speakers include Bill Federer, Dr. Larry Spargimino, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Greg Patton, Dr. Ken Lindau, and Larry Stam. Registration is now open. Visit swrc.com and click on Events at the top of the homepage. Registration is free, but required. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit swrc.com. Lots of exciting ways to stay connected and up-to-date with Watchmen on the Wall. Our daily podcast, as well as our podcast, In the Beacon's Light. Subscribe to these podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Our SWRC app is another way to take us with you. The SWRC app features this daily program and articles from teachers like Dr. Larry Spargimino and James Collins. Simply search SWRC on your smartphone or tablet and download the SWRC app today. And if you're new to this program, make sure and request your free new listener pack. In the new listener pack is a welcome letter with some history about the ministry, the latest issue of the Prophetic Observer Newsletter, and a free gift. Call 1-800-652-1144 and request your free new listener pack today. That's 1-800-652-1144. All this week, we're listening to programs that you have told us are your favorites from the past year. Programs featuring Bob Cornuke, James Collins, and Mac Dominic. Today, we have Michael Samuel Smith in his unique look at John the Baptist. In Luke 7, 28, the Lord Jesus Christ said of John the Baptist, For I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Now that is quite a compliment. Think about what the Lord Jesus said. He said among all the prophets who have ever been born of a woman, now that would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Hosea, Jacob, and Moses. Jesus said, among them that are born of a woman, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Now, if the Lord thought that much of John the Baptist, it would be wise for us as Christians to understand as much as possible about him. With me in the studio today is Michael Samuel Smith. Mike is a prophecy researcher and Bible teacher. Over the years, he has produced some excellent films that explore the 66 books of the Bible. Some of his top-selling DVDs include The Samson Paradox, 
crossing Jordan to reach Jericho, the next rapture, the mystery of the red heifer, American Destiny 400 Years, and Joseph in Egypt. His latest teaching film is titled John the Baptist, Forerunner of Jesus, and I'm excited to have him here today to talk about it. Welcome to the program, Brother Mike. Well, thank you, Dr. Collins. It's always a great honor to be here at uh, Southwest Radio, and God bless this ministry. Well, now, you and I met a couple of years ago at a prophecy conference, and we struck up a friendship, so I know a little bit about you. And certainly many of our regular listeners are familiar with you because you've been on the Watchman on the Wall program many, many times. But would you take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about yourself? Spiritually speaking, I grew up in the Northeast in New England and was born into an Italian family. I was brought up in a liturgical type church that was not Bible-based. I did have a very close walk with Christ up to the time that I was 18 years old, but I really didn't have any Bible foundation When I was 13 years old, I had a good idea what I wanted to do in life, and I knew the Lord was calling me into being a pilot. Uh, I was working on different pilot licenses, and a couple months after I finished high school, I had acquired a commercial pilot's license, and I had already worked things out to where I would enter the Army about three months after I finished high school, which I did, and I was accepted to Army Flight School. So I became a pilot in the Army, spent a couple tours in Vietnam flying surveillance aircraft, actually flew fixed wing, not rotary wing back then, then was rotary wing qualified. I ended up flying nine type airplanes and three type helicopters later in my career. I flew for a total of 20 years, a little over 20 years in the Army, and also served in Germany and three tours in Korea and Central America as well. The next day after I retired from the Army, I was accepted to American Airlines as a pilot there, and I had the opportunity to fly the Super 80 or DC-9, flew that aircraft for 25 years there, had a total of 26 years at American Airlines, served as a captain the last 17 years, and retired five years ago when I was 65 years old. I would like to say on the spiritual front, I've been teaching and sharing prophecy since 1976 taught Sunday school and participated in prison ministry for a number of years as well. My second tour in Korea, by the way, we did adopt our daughter. She was a one-year-old girl. Her name is Amy, and Amy was very sick. It took her about five years to get well. She today is a professor at a Christian university in Waxahachie, Texas, acquired her PhD about a year ago, and her and her husband are professors there. My wife and I have been married uh, over 46 years. Well, great. Thank you for your service. And uh, I say hua because I was also an Army vet, and so I appreciate you. My wife and I watched this awesome teaching video the other night. We really enjoyed it. And you said in the video that you spent three years researching the John the Baptist story. What prompted you to do that? Well, for many years, I felt that there were many dots that were not connected about the John the Baptist story. I knew the Bible talked about him 700 years before he was born, and I knew people need to learn much more about him and his ministry. I think our DVD connects a number of dots most people never knew before and will give them a much better appreciation about John's purpose. We also talk about modern baptism and the role it plays in our lives. Well, now, who was John the Baptist, and what was the purpose of his ministry? The purpose of John was to be, quote, the sign to Israel that Messiah had come. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that everyone might believe through him. 
John wasn't the light, but came to testify about the light. In your DVD, you seem to think there is a mission statement from God associated with the parents' names of John the Baptist. What did you mean by that? Well, we know that John's mother's name is Elizabeth. When translated from Hebrew or Greek to English, it means God is an oath. That's O-A-T-H, God is an oath. Of course, John's father's name is Zacharias, which is Zechariah in the Old Testament, and his name means God has remembered. When you combine his mother's and father's names, you get God has remembered his oath, and I do believe that's a last-day revelation. Amazing. Well, you made the claim in your DVD that the first mention of John the Baptist in the Bible was over 700 years before his actual birth. Tell me about that. Well, John is first mentioned in Isaiah chapter 40. This chapter describes the prophecy about John in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 and 4. That prophecy is actually fulfilled in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. By the way, Isaiah chapter 40 contains a description of John as well as Christ, the future Messiah. My guest in the studio is prophecy researcher and Bible teacher Michael Samuel Smith. We are talking about his new DVD, John the Baptist, Forerunner of Jesus. It is a great teaching DVD, a lot of information, and it's designed where it can be viewed in the home or it's short enough to be viewed in a Sunday school class. And so it's a really great resource, and and you'll be blessed by getting a copy of that. And we're talking about John the Baptist. Brother Mike, we're all familiar with Jesus being 30 years old when he was baptized by John, but you say John started his ministry only six months before Jesus' baptism. Now, how would you know that? Well, to start with, we know that John is six months older than Jesus because Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says so. That is a major clue in the story. When you go into the law in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 23 tells us the age of priesthood goes from 30 to 50 years old in both of those scriptures. Keep in mind the average age of a man back in those days probably averaged around 42 years old. Did you know the average age of an American man in the year 1900 was 47 years old, believe it or not? And that data was extracted from life insurance statistics, which were very accurate back in the day. By the way, the number 30 in the Bible is the number of consecration. Now you know why John and Jesus could not begin their ministry until 30 years old. Well, John the Baptist, the Bible says he had an unusual diet. Did he really eat locusts and wild honey? Well, yes, he actually did, because Matthew chapter 3, verse 4 says so. But the reason for that is because locust and honey under the law were a clean food. By the way, honey is an unperishable food, and its purity reflects the purity of God's Word. John the Baptist also had a strange wardrobe. Tell me about his choice of clothes. Matthew chapter 3, verse 4 tells us his clothes were made of camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt. The whole idea was John would live a life of humility as well as portray a simple lifestyle. Brother Mike, you stated in your film that Jesus himself said John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived. You also said Jesus stated John the Baptist was the greatest prophet who ever lived. Those are huge statements to make, Brother Mike. If you don't mind me asking, can you prove that? Well, that's a good question. There's no question that these are very huge attributes Jesus said of John. 
that's not from anyone's commentary at all. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 11, 11. You might want to write that one down. And John was the greatest man that ever lived, and you'll find that. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 28, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that ever lived. There was one more mission statement that Jesus gave to John, and that he was a burning and shining light. John chapter 5, verse 35, the light of John was like a wick in an oil lamp. His light illuminated the path to Jesus, who was the great light. The reason John was the greatest man who ever lived was because the Holy Spirit was upon him at conception, and he was to be the forerunner of Jesus, to announce to the world that Jesus was truly the long-awaited Messiah. So John came on the scene at a very crucial time. And the reason John was the greatest prophet who ever lived was because Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3, 4, and 5 prophesied 700 years in advance that John would introduce the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, which were fulfilled, in fact, in Matthew chapter 3. Who was John the Baptist, and what was the purpose of his ministry? In Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm focusing on verse 3, introduces the prophecy of John about 700 years before he was born. Also, we know he was the son of Elizabeth and Zacharias. And Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6, also points out that John was prophesied to preach repentance for the remission of sins. And part of his mission is to introduce Jesus, the Messiah. Now, if you were baptized by John, you were to admit your sin and repent of it. This was a great way to be prepared for the Savior's coming. But his message wasn't popular with everyone. In fact, he aggravated Herod. Tell me about Herod Antipas. We are all familiar with Herod the Great, the evil Herod who tried to take out the baby Jesus by having all the male babies two years and under murdered in Bethlehem sometime between when Jesus was between one and two years old. Now this Herod Antipas was actually Herod the Great's second son, and he ruled from 4 BC until Antipas was banished in the year 39 AD. It's important to know the name Herod is a title. It's not a personal first or last name. In our DVD, I took the time to read Luke chapter three, verses one, two, and three, As boring as those three scriptures may seem to some, the Holy Spirit put them in the script to identify one Roman emperor, three tetrarchs, and two Jewish high priests that were at the helmet at that snapshot of time. During my lifetime, we learned all of these men really existed, and history has now proven that. Again, it proves the accuracy of God's Word. Archaeology and history always proves God's Word. And speaking of Archaeology, you have some great footage in this DVD of Herod's palace, and it's not the one in Israel. Give us some background on Herod's palace. One of the reasons I wanted to do this story was because I knew for years that Herod's palace was about 18 miles away from Jerusalem at Machaerus. This fortress sits about 3,800 feet above sea level on a flat-top mountain. It actually is in what is now the country of Jordan. The historian Josephus stated that John the Baptist was executed at Machaerus, which is serious proof this was really the place. I wanted to show actual photos of this fortress, so we have pictures in our DVD. Originally, Herod's father, Herod the Great, had this palace built. You can still see the stone dance floor where Salome danced before Herod. 
The stone foundation of Herod's throne is still visible as well as John's prison cell, which goes down below ground level. We have a photo of that too. Well, how is it that John the Baptist was put in prison, and how long was he there before being executed by Herod? Well, to connect the dots in an easy-to-understand way, John was put in prison about one year after baptizing Jesus. He spent about a year in that prison before he was executed. I have to give great credit to Dr. David Jeremiah, who came to that conclusion after much research on that subject. He was there because, again, he aggravated Herod because he, he called him out for marrying his brother's wife. He was beheaded there, executed there. If you're just joining us, my guest in the studio is prophecy researcher and Bible teacher Michael Samuel Smith. We're talking about his new teaching DVD, John the Baptist, Forerunner of Jesus, which is available by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you could order a copy at swrc.com. Brother Mike, you don't cut any slack to Herod Antipas in the DVD, but you do say that he was sorry for having John executed. In fact, you say Herod heard him gladly. What did you mean by that? Another reason I was so excited about doing this video was I wanted to show Herod's relationship with John. It's not the kind of relationship you would expect. We know John was put in prison because he confronted Herod and his new wife Herodias about Herod stealing Herodias, who was married to Herod's brother Philip. John accused them of living in adultery. By the way, it appears Herodias didn't mind being taken away from Philip. It was a big step up for Herodias being the king's new wife, but Herod had John put in prison actually to preserve his life because Herodias had total hatred for John and wanted him dead. In fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, verse 20, that Herod feared John. You would have thought it was the other way around. But Herod feared his wife Herodias even more. And Herod kept John in prison so Herodias couldn't kill him. Mark chapter 6, verse 20 clearly tells us that Herod felt John was a just and, and holy man and that Herod did many things and heard him gladly. So Herod had a respectful relationship with John. It appears he allowed John before him at times to hear what the man of God had to say. It was like having his own Billy Graham at his disposal. I wonder how many people knew that about the John the Baptist story. Hmm. Another mystery about the John the Baptist story is the fact that many Bible scholars and teachers have a difficult time trying to explain that while John was in prison, he asked the question about Jesus, is this the one we've been waiting for? On the surface, it appears from that question that John had second thoughts about Jesus being the Messiah. Can you explain that? Well, now that we've connected some kind of timeline here, you know when John baptized Jesus, he was put into prison about a year later, never to see Jesus again. So when John goes to prison, incarcerated in a dungeon, Jesus still has about two and a half more years of ministry, performing healings and miracles, and John is not around to observe these things. This was why John wondered about these things. It does appear later, for reasons we do not fully understand, 
but somehow Jesus does get word back to John about his accomplishments. My personal opinion is John did realize in the end, before he died, that Jesus truly was the one that we've been waiting for. I think a great lesson in that is that we as Christians sometimes have doubts, and Jesus said about John he was the greatest man that ever lived, and here was a man who had some doubts. So I think God's grace is wonderful in that, that the Bible teaches us that. Now, in this DVD, Brother Mike, you show some interesting parallels between John the Baptist and Billy the Baptist. In fact, you researched the entire life of Billy the Baptist, and you speak a great deal about it in the DVD. Who was Billy the Baptist? Billy Graham was born on the 7th of November, 1918, in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was of Scottish and Irish descent and was the oldest of four children born to Morrow and William Graham, Sr. His father was a dairy farmer, so Billy was raised on a dairy farm with his two sisters, Catherine and Jean, and a younger brother named Melvin. Aside from all his religious accomplishments, Billy and his wife received the Congressional Gold Medal of Honor in 1996. This is the highest civilian award bestowed by the United States government. And in 2001, he was made an honorary knight commander of the Order of the British Empire. Billy Graham passed away on February 21, 2018. Well, you make a claim in this DVD that there is a parallel between John the Baptist and Billy Graham. And you spent quite a bit of time talking about Billy Graham in the DVD, and for most of us, we've never heard anything like that at all. So can you take a moment and tell us about those parallels? Well, I know that sounds a little over the top, Brother Collins, but when you study the life and times of Billy Graham— and then you compare him and John the Baptist, there are many similarities. I believe we can actually say both men are the greatest evangelists ever in human history. For those who see our DVD, I think you will see what we mean by that. It was John the Baptist who preceded the coming Messiah about 2,000 years ago. And it's Billy the Baptist who will precede the rapture of the church. Both men were truly anointed in a very mighty way. Both preached repentance and salvation. Well, at the end of the DVD, you explain water baptism today. Can you explain what water baptism is and why you think it's still important, still relevant today? As evangelical Bible-believing Christians, when we study water baptism, we believe one is to be completely immersed under the water. Not only is this following the example set by Christ, but we are demonstrating before God and man that we are acting out a type and shadow funeral. And it's actually our funeral that we're bearing the sinful life that we lived, and we now are a new creature in Christ as we come up out of the water, as alluded to in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Why is baptism so important? Well, it's important because we are publicly demonstrating that we now have a changed life. Being baptized was not only a sign of repentance, it's also a testimony of the expectation of the coming kingdom of God. There are also vertical and horizontal aspects to baptism. Vertical in the sense that our relationship to Christ 
is now that we are committed to serving him and horizontal in the sense that at the local church level, we are identifying ourselves to groups, beliefs, and lifestyles as we join others in sharing our struggles as they share theirs with us. That's the whole counsel of God concept about water baptism and its meaning today. Well, yes, baptism is a very important act of obedience, but before you're baptized, you must turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. So if there's someone listening today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we pray that you will seek the Lord and that you will give your life to Jesus Christ today. Brother Mike, would you please take a moment and tell our listeners how they can receive Jesus Christ? It can be as simple as A, B, and C. A, admit that you are a sinner in need of forgiveness. Romans 3 and 23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B, believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And C, confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Romans 10 and 9 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And you know, in December 1974, those concepts changed my life. You know, I had a very exciting life, 20 years as a military pilot, 26 years as a major airline pilot. It's a lot of experiences in life, but I want you to know that serving the Lord these last 46 years has been even more exciting than that. So I've found true happiness. There's a lot of people in need of happiness, and they're not going to find it in the world. And just as I found it in Christ, they can find it in Christ too. We've been talking today on the program with Michael Samuel Smith about his DVD, John the Baptist, Forerunner of Jesus. Brother Mike, thank you so much for being on the program today. Well, thank you, Dr. Collins. Always a great honor and joy to be with you. I'm praying that God's going to bless this ministry in a mighty way. Thank you. There are many lessons we can learn from the story of John the Baptist. Michael Samuel Smith spent three years researching the life and times of John the Baptizer and found that a great deal about his life is not well known. In today's featured resource, the DVD, John the Baptist, Forerunner of Jesus, by Michael Samuel Smith, is available. This DVD has been tailored so it can be used in a Sunday school class or a home setting. We believe this resource is the most detailed story ever written about the life of John the Baptist. Many will be surprised by how much they never knew about this subject. Jesus said in the Bible that John was the greatest man who ever lived. Well, what prompted Jesus to say that? In this DVD, you'll see where John was imprisoned and actual photos of the palace where he was held and executed. Get the DVD, John the Baptist, by Michael Samuel Smith, for a gift of $20 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. When you purchase a DVD or book, when you attend a conference, 
when you invite a friend to listen to this program, you are helping spread the timeless truth that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Thank you. Tomorrow will be another listener favorite from this year, Sons of God and the Nephilim. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.